the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, we, we have uh, uh, a, a very interesting show. We'll talk with uh, Noah Noah Dingley. Some big news Noah has. I've, I, I held off last week. He was back from his vacation. He actually got... Um, well, he got engaged. We'll hear about it. It's exciting. Noah Dingley, our great producer. So that'll be a breakaway from our usual uh, conversations on politics. And otherwise, we'll talk with John Schlafly. And I will tell you, and this is going to be what you need to know, too. We're going to talk about something called the New World Order. And some of you have heard that phrase used in the period of time around COVID and then lots of things that were happening with the Wuhan lab and the World Health Organization and others. But I'm going to tell you about some other things and we'll visit about that. We'll talk with John Schlafly, who's got a great perspective, and the late Phyllis Schlafly, his mother, who wrote, it, wrote on that subject quite a bit. Uh, all of that is coming up in a moment. First, please uh, remember, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Over there, you'll see lots of these great interviews. Uh, you know, we're coming up. Uh, next week, I think I've got a couple more authors, uh, book authors. It's a big deal for these authors to get a um, get their books out. I've, I know the feeling when you write a book and you finally get it published. And when we can interview them and promote the books and get people talking about it, it's a big deal. So go over there. There's some great authors to be interviewed. All right. Um, what you need to know. Uh, in 1991, uh, George H.W. Bush used the phrase uh, New World Order. And he talked about how the old Cold War was over and there was a the Cold War was over and everyone was adjusting. And at that time in 1991, there was lots of shifting. There's no Soviet Union. Some of the different nations were starting up outside of the Soviet bloc. Other things are happening. And so you have this occurring. And, and he used that phrase. Then he used it again. And he used it a number of times. And over time, it became clear that this was a movement uh, of uh, of folks who were uh, of people trying to foster a movement that was globalist in nature. That's what we'll say like that. That had globalism at its heart. And so you saw he spoke on that subject, used the phrase again and again. Um, his policies, of course, he went out of office pretty quickly, but Bill Clinton was uh, pretty liberal on this. And and so what happened around that time was the late Phyllis Schlafly began to dig into what was the fairly dramatic shifting of American priorities from America's interest to this sort of globalist, global participation. One of the famous examples that I know, which people don't even realize, was Bill Clinton's team announced that they were going to harmonize America's patents, patent system with the world, which meant that our patent system, which is the envy of the world, which is the one, one of the great tools that has made America's prosperity and success what it is, because our patent system says that the person who invents something has the right, property right, to use their, their, their invention for a period of time. That changed the world. If you read so, and, and Clinton wanted to harmonize that with the Europeans who were trying to say, well, the actual property right is not yours uh, as the inventor. It's kind of got to be granted. And that was the old argument. In the old days, you didn't have a right to a patent unless the king gave it to you or the queen gave it to you or the sovereign. And our system was you're the sovereign, so you have the right to that. So that was a shift. And the phrase I just used is key 
Because Phyllis Schlafly started to identify that it was the sovereignty of the American nation that was being diminished in favor of some sort of global vision. And so you had multilateral trade deals. You had NAFTA come through. You had uh, uh, um, um, agreements between multiple nations on on climate change, for example, or, or pre, pre, predating that on some of the environmental issues. Over and over, you had a movement to have an international criminal court where an international criminal court would have sovereignty over the acts of citizens of multiple nations. Now, Again, there are, there is already some some there was were some ways that you could be in treaties and all that you could be held accountable, but only based on the sovereignty of each nation. So the point here is, this was a movement. Nine eleven happens. George H George H W Bush's New World Order phrase comes through, and George W Bush says we have to galvanize the you know we're, we're the we're the nation we're we're the people that can lead the sort of civilizing movement that we I think we all recognize was not as effective as what promised. Forget about judging everybody, anybody who lied about weapons of mass destruction or anything else. There was a fear of what had happened to us that led us to uh, invade and occupy and all those kinds of things decades later that we've grown from. In Lurch's Trump, Trump is the first person that has a different idea. He's almost um, almost uh, stereotypically, uh, almost kind of uh, like a, in a New York stereotype, he's about himself and America first. Himself and America first. America's interest first. He's not going to do multilateral trade deals. He's not going to do Russia, excuse me, Chinese hoax, which is climate change, the Paris Agreement, where we give tons of money and sovereignty and China does nothing. He's not going to do any of that stuff. He's not going to, he's not going to fight every fight. He's not going to call every bad guy a bad guy. He's going to try to do what he's always done, which is make deals and do things. Uh, was he perfect? Probably not. But was it directionally right? Yeah. The biggest thing he did in terms of this world order was he made America energy independent because once we're not dependent on the world for oil and gas, we can do a lot more and others can do a lot less. So here's where we are today. And during the Obama years, you watched a whole set of policies. Victoria Nuland, who's in the in the Ukrainian uh, uh, mess, she's one of the leaders in the in the current Biden government. She was under Obama. Susan Rice, uh, Anthony Blinken, all these folks, Joe Biden. And their vision was we uh, Hillary Clinton. We can we are part of this incredible movement. And I don't know whether I don't think Obama, I'm about to check, used the phrase New World Order, but certainly that was the vision. The vision was that we can build up these institutions, Paris Climate Accord, the UN, the World Health Organization, we'll build them all up and they'll be these globalist things will be we'll be better at managing the world than the world is because we're better than everyone. This is what these people think. It's not, by the way, just Americans. There's lots of foreigners in there that are also the intelligentsia that tell us what to do. That's what we're facing. That, that's the tension that's going on right now. The tension is not between, um, in fact, who said this on the, on the program last week? It's between centralization and decentralization. It's between gathering power, more and more power by a certain set of elite and more people having power. But right now, what we're seeing played out, think about who's on the side of opposing the Russians. And again, clearly Russia acted first, right? I might see that. And there's loss of life and all that. But who's on the side of saying we must now tame Russia? Who's on that side? The EU, the UN, George Soros, the World Health Organization, Joe Biden, his team, all these people whose vision for the world 
I don't exactly trust. Now, I do see others on the side of uh, uh, opposing Putin and, and Russia that I, that I, you know, I, I have respect for. I mean, you watch Hungary, Orban, and Poland, but I tend to think that that's more historical because of their relationship to the Soviets than it is actual right now. And meanwhile, in the world, the, the entity that has the greatest influence on changing the world right now, economically, is China. Whether you like that or not, they are, they are because they're ruthless, because they have a command control economy, generally. And so we're in a situation where we're, we're watching a confrontation and we're being fed a, a, a truth from the narrative machine, big tech, big media, big government, telling us that one side is in a movie. No, excuse me. Tell me the whole thing is an action adventure movie. And one side is the white knights. One side is the ones that are about the, the truth. And they're going up against the dark side. And after five or six years of being misled by the media, it's hard to feel like you're getting to the truth. Again, I don't know enough of the truth. I try to watch Twitter. I try to watch for videos. I try to wa- cut through everything. But you more, the more times you watch something... Uh, more often than not, you watch something and you find out later it was altered or it was cut or it was edited. This is, and, and, and then I'll finish with this, what you need to know. If this is a battle over the new world order, and if it's confusing to people about who's doing what and how it's going, just pause and understand. One side in this has the, one of the largest nuclear uh, arsenals in history. Russia either has the largest or the second largest to us. Probably second largest in terms of technology. But that's what we're not facing off uh, in 1812 or facing off with um, Mexico, uh, you know, 150 years ago. We're not disagreeing about a border and, and having to shoot it out. We're talking about nuclear power, nuclear weapons and nuclear arsenals. But I just point you to this. I don't think any I don't think enough people are saying what is, who what are the forces that are demanding that this is the way things go. What are the forces that are saying that NATO has this role to play forever and ever? America? Americans are wedded to NATO to take care of all these things? I, again, I'm not sure it's not. I'm not sure it's time to exit NATO, but I, I don't know why we haven't had the discussion, especially when they don't pay their own fair share. It's an extraordinary moment. All right, we got to take a break. We'll talk with John Schlafly in a moment. And later, Noah says a lighter segment. We'll visit with him about his uh, marriage and all the other facts, uh, all the other stories. He's got great insight. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We're back with John Schlafly. John Schlafly, of course, writes a weekly column over at townhall.com and uh, with his brother, Andy. And John, uh, today, though, I want to pause and ask you, you know, we were, you and I were talking offline about, um, well, let me say it this way. I said it in the open of the show today. You show me which side George Soros is on in a fight, and I, I think I want to be on the other side. I, mean, I, I think that's a pretty solid 
you know, argument in terms of what he's done to America. You know, 15 years ago, he was funding the Secretary of State's project, which was designed to damage the, the integrity of the elections. In my opinion, he's funded in the last 10 years lots of things that have to do with uh, initiatives and referendum that are much more liberal than I think is good for the country as a way, in my opinion, to bypass what is the, the our system of government, which is elect representatives to make decisions, not the uh, sort of popular uh, uh, whipping back and forth of sentiment that can be generated by what I call the narrative machine. And then in the last five years, the dramatic funding of Soros of these prosecutors it's and everything from the, the Michael Brown, all these places where you see this encouragement for uh, what I would say is the, the de- degradation of law and order, all Soros funded. And then that's, that's just us in America. There's plenty of examples. You go to Europe and they'll tell you this that, and the other thing. Well, Soros is actively saying this is the fight. He's he's ready to fight. He's he's on the side of the the white hats and and goodness, and that's against Russia. I, I makes me a little nervous. What about you? Well, it does make me nervous. And uh, Ed, I think George Soros's funded organizations played a role in what are called the color revolutions. Right now, we had the the Rose Revolution in the country of Georgia, which was a decade ago, and now and then we had the Orange Revolution in Ukraine. And this is under the guise of, you know, bringing liberal democracy to these former Soviet countries. But uh, there are limits to that. And I think we're seeing the limit right now. Uh, The limit is that, uh, you know, Putin has made it clear that these former provinces of the Soviet Union are not going to join NATO. And that's that is a bridge too far. That is a red line that he drew here. And I think we've got to respect that. We, the United States cannot be intervening, cannot be, and I think we've already gone too far to supply lethal weapons to the people in Ukraine. That's just making the, that's just making the war bloodier than it had to be. So uh, it's very concerning. Well, we're talking with John Schlafly and, and John, um, the, your mother, the late Phyllis Schlafly, I'd say for the last uh, probably almost exactly 25 years of her life, um, the phrase New World Order was uh, was offered uh, in the, I guess, her early 1990s. 91, maybe, was the first time George H.W. Bush uh, uh, talked about it. It was, of course, immediately following the breakup of the Soviet Union when lots of things were in flux and, uh, you know, uh, history is dead, all these different kinds of arguments. And here's George H.W. Bush saying New World Order uh, for almost 25 years, almost exactly. The late Phyllis Schlafly wrote about what is this new world order? What would it entail? What are the what are the treaties that it asks for? What is it? What is it that it it, it uh, contemplates? Uh, how does it envision NATO? You would have thought, in a certain sense, NATO's usefulness had maybe maybe it hadn't gone away completely, but it certainly had diminished. Well, in the in the new world order, there was a march to uh, institutionalize or to formalize a whole bunch of institutions. And the late Phyllis Schlafly wrote about it one after another, whether it was UN, the EU, trade deals, uh, international criminal courts, all these things. Uh, are we, is that where we are? Is that what we're facing right now? I, I think that uh, after, after the first George Bush uh, launched and announced the New World Order and with great fanfare in his State of the Union address, uh, it has proceeded kind of, under the radar by the moles inside this, our State Department and international organizations, and with the goal of suppressing national sovereignty, 
in the favor of international organizations run by bureaucrats. And, you know, they feel like, you know, you know, countries can't have freedom of action anymore. This is they call this democracy, which is kind of ridiculous. But uh, I mean, democracy is where the people of a country can set the, you know, you know, set the path for its their own country. But that's exactly what the uh, international organizations cannot allow. So uh, they feel like organizations like NATO and the European Union, which are not responsive to the citizens, basically call the shots all over the world and tell countries what they can do and not do. That's I think that's order means uh we're talking about john schlafly john um now we're in this spot and we've been in spots somewhat similar um in the sense that you know it was a 2014 crimea there was the annexation of crimea which entailed a sort of invasion uh not sort of an invasion uh by russia um but what's the what are the paths forward right now and we could slide to this conversation you watch tv and and the TV shows and the radio shows are just all the drums of war. America must be ready. Here we are. We're we're the great. We're on the side of uh, righteousness. What are the other paths here? Because it, uh, it we're not messing around with a um uh you know a a a kind of minor neighbor. This is a major nuclear power, and and it's a different sort of ball game than a conventional uh, war. Well, uh, potentially. It is. And I mean, everyone says we we cannot, the United States cannot be involved in a war with Russia, and yet we are supplying uh, these these, uh, missiles to Ukraine that are killing Russians. So even though they're not U.S. troops firing those missiles, there are U.S.-made weapons. And it's a concern. That's a fine line. I don't know how long this is going, you know, as longer this goes on, the more dangerous it is. And, and mind you, you know, Americans do not want to go to war over Ukraine. You know, Ukraine is not a member of NATO and for good reason, because that is a, doesn't, that's a risk to our country. Uh, so, you know, many Americans are treated like, are acting like, uh, America's honor and prestige is at stake with Ukraine, and I think that's uh, that's not true. I'm, you know, I'm sorry for the people we're watching in Ukraine, but uh, you know, we cannot be in a position where the United States is guaranteeing the borders of Ukraine. We we it's not we have no way to do that, even if we wanted to, and and it's plus it takes the takes the, our eyes off what needs to be done for our country, primarily to rebuild our energy independence. I, I mean, uh, Biden has shut down the production of energy in our country in many ways, and all that needs to be restarted. Uh, we're talking with uh, John Schlafly. Um, John, it's um, the, the, the question I have at this point, though, is in the world of social media, and this slides towards the who's telling us the truth, so if I run through these kinds of descriptions, um, you know, in the 2020 election, 
55 former members of the intelligence community put out a letter, all of them big names, and they said the Hunter Biden laptop is is Russian disinformation. And the New York Post, which had published it, was shut down on social media and all the other outlets ignored it and said, look at this. Look, we, we know that we know the clear narrative of truth here is that this is Russia's Russian disinformation, a October surprise. We will not allow it to affect things. And lo and behold, six months later, everybody admitted it wasn't Russian disinformation at all. And so all those people, intelligence community people were liars, uh, either liars or stupid. One of the two, they just agreed with each other. And all those media outlets, which are supposed to be watchdogs, were useless from our standpoint. So here we are now told the narrative. Here's what the narrative is. And more and more Americans, you watch the polling, they say, especially young people, they say, oh, man, we, we got to this is like a movie, right? This is like a Ben Affleck movie, Tom Cruise movie. There's a there's a hero. Look at that guy. The Zelensky guy. He's in a, a, a he's a he's got a couple days growth of stubble and he's got a, a, a flak jacket on and and we can just save the world when, of course, I don't know who's good guys and bad guys. I'm not sure. But I do know, you know, w- w- America can't fight every good guy and bad guy. And when the people that are fighting on two sides have one of them has nuclear weapons, in fact, the largest nuclear weapon arsenal in the world, it, I, I'm relating to the situation differently if I'm trying to protect my people and my nation. So we're now down this path, though. We're going to watch, um, you know, more and more State of the Union. They did it. Uh, the, the, uh, the press office convincing us that we're in a movie when the movie is something closer than to the, to, to the Cuban Missile Crisis, where confused leaders are wondering what they're supposed to do when nuclear arsenals hang in the balance. Uh, yes. And, uh, uh, you know, I guess we've, you know, to be honest, I have sort of have to sympathize with uh, Joe Biden because he has to produce a state of the union address that will talk about this and it's all going to be uh, obsolete in a few days and he's not going to be able to deliver his agenda for the nation which is what he wanted to do but uh, uh, so with that with on that note of sympathy though I know back <laughs> to reality here because uh, he's I think is a big in a large in many ways responsible for this problem it's it's people he put in charge you know particularly this Victoria Newland who is the, his point person on Ukraine. Now, Victoria Nuland has family relationships with Ukraine. And, I mean, she should never have been allowed to have anything to do with American policy because there's no way that she can uh, give her attention to America's national interest when she herself has personal financial, uh, personal family relationships with the country of Ukraine. Her sympathies are divided in that way. And and so that is, I think, a big part of the problem that we now face. Because the United, you know, our country has to face this in a very uh, cold, clear-eyed way about what is best for our country. Uh, and our country uh, has to recognize the fact that, you know, as much as we might sympathize with the poor people of Ukraine, we cannot go to war with them. We just can't do that. 
Well, again, uh, John, we got to wrap it up. I, I mean, I, I know, I know what you mean about the sympathy in terms of state of the union is a big deal, but I, I, you know, I think the the bigger, the larger problem is just what you said is um, when you don't have the leader accountable, um, you know, when you don't have the president, the one that the country associates in the world, the world associates with being in charge, who's in charge? Is it Victoria Newland? Is it Susan Rice? Is it uh, Anthony Blinken? Who's in charge? Who's running around? And is it Hillary Clinton who's emerged now and is doing all kinds of news and 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 alert you know offering her expertise uh, at a time where most of the again if you're the russians you sit there and say these are the people that kept moving nato closer and closer to us when we kept saying please don't do that please don't do that uh, again I, i'm not i don't know who's right we're now there's not people being killed innocent people it's terrible but i know what's wrong and what's wrong is trying to figure out what we're, how to fight a nuclear power over something the question should be what is our national interest? What is in our people's interest? It doesn't feel like what's happening has anybody making that the uh, question they're asking. But unfortunately, John, I got to run. I'm sorry, I filibustered there at the end, but uh, I have to run. And John Schlafly, everybody, his column is over at townhall.com. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. It's time, it's overdue, for Noah Says, our great Noah Dingley, the producer of this program. He's been with me from very early on when the show started. Probably, I don't know, a couple months in, but he is a master at producing the show. He also is uh, Andrea Kay, the the, the uh, man behind that show, and has his own programming at The Answer San Diego, a super guy. And so we welcome him back for a segment, Noah Says. Welcome, Noah. How are you? Good to talk to you, Ed. Good to talk to you. How are you doing? It said so fine. You sound like you had an Irish accent there. I thought you were doing a little well, Irish Coming up accent. on St. Patrick's um, Day, my heritage is English-Irish in part. So, really? you know, you, you, you got to get in the mood for the season. What um, Are we allowed to talk about your personal stuff or is that not Oh, no. Right yeah, now? bring it on. What do you got? Oh, well, well, I mean, you're big news. You want to tell us your big news? I am big news. Uh, and that was confirmed when I took <laughs> yeah. a trip to the happiest place on earth and proposed to my girlfriend. Kenny, Minnie Mouse who, to Minnie Mouse. Besides Sorry. being a huge pro-America report follower uh, is the love of my life. And I proposed to her in front of the Star Wars Millennium Falcon ride. And she said, wow. yes, yeah. so I'm a very happy man. Now, serious question. You told me off the air that um, she really didn't know it was coming. But, you know, like they say, a lawyer, you know, you cross-examine yeah, someone, you don't yeah. ask a question, you don't, know, you don't know the answer to. Did you know the answer or was there some doubt? I knew that. And that's the beautiful part. And I know she's listening to this. We had talked about it for months and it was something that I, I wasn't nervous about the answer. I was nervous from a guy's perspective. I wanted it to come off perfect. And of course, I wanted it to come out perfect when she said two things. Don't do it on Valentine's Day. Don't do it in public. So what did I do? I said, Valentine's uh -huh. Day in public. She'll never see it coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. Although, have you been reprimanded? Has there been no, a reprimand offer? No, she said it offer, turned out no? beautiful. It was perfect and would not okay. have had it any other way. So it, it went out very well. No reprimand. 
That's important because I would have been tough to have an early reprimand. Now, you may, you realize you'll be married like 74 years and it'll be se- year 73. And she'll say, remember I told you what to do? And you decided <laughs> from the beginning, from the beginning, you did what you wanted to do. All right. Well, that's exciting. Congratulations. Thank As you, you know, much. I'm a big fan of a big fan of marriage. Well, and, and you've been a big fan, of, uh, fan of us, too. So I appreciate your support. Yeah, I do like I like I like how uh, Cammy in your life has uh, has given you a little, a little uh, bounce in your step. I've noticed that. So congratulations. Congratulations. All right. Now, um, you uh, are my best observer, partly through Cammie and her friends and others on uh, kids, families dealing with the COVID stuff. Are are we through this yet? I mean, California still has its prisoners and its children in masks and yet it's breaking out. Right. I mean, it's breaking out. Are we through it? We're through it. I don't know why the politicians think. So Newsom comes out and he's like, we're announcing the end, you know, the the endemic plan. He calls it smarter. I call it dumber, you know, whatever. All these different things to make sure that the coronavirus never comes back to where it was when Omicron or Omnicron, however you want to call it, has proven that this virus has gotten weaker. We have moved on with our lives. And what does he do? They're trying to squeak in this bill that if it passes would require Every employer, no matter the size, to and independent contractors as well, to be vaccinated. That's anti-freedom. We're getting through this, whether you've gotten the vaccine already or you have not, whether you're a believer in masks or you're not. And people, especially at the school level, Ed, they're over it. Mm-hmm. Parents are over it. Employers are over it. And Newsom is biting off more than he can chew. So, but again, uh, my question on this is that who pays? Who pays the price for this? Is we it do. just that so the, insulated? The, 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 the citizens, it, it, they're, they're, they're the tired of regulation. But, but I mean, but, but Newsom is insulated by, he doesn't look like he has a real opponent for his reelection, so he doesn't have any Sad way to truth, modify yes. his behavior. So, so is there any, anybody who can pay the price? Is there anybody, uh, you know, a Diane Feinstein, I saw the news that her husband, long time uh, husband married for decades, passed away. You know, some, some say she'll retire. But uh, again, in a state where it's one party, it doesn't look like anybody can be held accountable. No, and that's the thing. They know that unless they're, and, and that's the bu- the beautiful part. There is a lot of very active Californians that are standing up, making their voice heard, writing emails, writing letters. So some of this stuff hopefully gets shot down when they realize the public is not on board with it. But at the end of the day, do they still do what they want somewhat? Yes, I really was hoping Larry Elder would give it another run. I am disappointed. I'm, I love him that we're having him here on Salem. Don't get me wrong. But I was hoping that he would put his hat in the run for governor again come the end of the year. Well, and, and I, again, that's my point is uh, the only thing that modifies behavior is uh, votes and money in terms of politicians. You know, they, they, they care about fundraising. They care about money. I mean, I, I, I'm being well, I will say this, Ed, not to interrupt you, but, you know, Obama no, no, can, please, can, please. kind of came out of nowhere in the presidential election circuit not too far back. Time is of the essence, but maybe there's a political candidate, a true conservative candidate that's going to come out of the woodwork and actually hold Newsom's feet to the fire. Well, so that's what I wonder. And I think what people don't know, news this week, there was another congressman from Florida, um, Congressman, I think his name is pronounced Deutsch, Deutsch, um, who's decided not to run Democrat for reelection. And part of the reason I keep telling people is not it's not that he thought he'd lose his reelection. He, he's in there all in safe districts. The reason why is because 
uh, they don't want to be in the minority. They see that they be in the minority. It's no fun to be in the minority in the house. There's nothing, nothing to do. You got to like sit in your office and somebody else is in charge. Exactly. So I think they're all. And and my point is, in California, you might again, you might find that uh, this is the cycle. This is the year where you could have a chance. But I will we'll see. Um, moving well, I bring up on a good a point, really, bit. really quickly. If they're going yeah. to have a chance, if any type of opposition to Newsom is going to have a chance, it is going to be this year. So if there's people listening to this, whether you've been in the political circuit for a while or not, and you want to change in California, now is the time. You need to actually get something done with the opportunity given to you. We're talking with Noah Dingley, a Noah Says segment, and Noah has the distinct advantage of being born and raised in the L.A. area and then living for decades now down in San Diego area. So he's got the Southern California perspective. Um, One of the issues that's polling that's dragging down Joe Biden's numbers and national Democrats is crime. Now, it doesn't feel like crime per se. I guess the border could be a different question, but crime is the issue in far Southern California, San Diego area. But up in L.A., it's a mess. Uh, is are, are you hearing that? Are you sensing that? Is this a time where people are saying, you know what, we're sick of lawlessness. We're going to want something different. I agree. I mean, even here in Southern California, San Diego, which is, I think, a lot better than L.A. L.A. is a mess. You're hearing people out and about saying, why should I call the cops? Nothing's going to be done anyway. I mean, Hmm. that's a horrible statement in and of itself. And if that's happening in San Diego, and that is not just one occurrence that I've heard that said, it's been several times. What do you think is going on up in L.A.? People do not feel safe at this point in California, I'd say across the nation, because law enforcement is not being made a priority. Um, again, we're talking with Noah Dingley. Noah says in this segment, uh, how about inflation? I, I know we've talked before laughing, you know, not, not really laughing, sort of laughing, laughing in our, through our tears about the cost of gasoline. But, you know, food prices are up. I mean, what's the, again, how is this? These are the issues that hit people more broadly than um than uh, conversate than 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 some of the other esoteric conversations in foreign policy or other things. That is a really good point. Glad you actually brought this one up because I can give you a first hand account. My girlfriend and I, well, my fiance now, excuse me, geez, slipping. We wow, yeah, you got to get used to that, yeah, to try and eat healthier uh-huh. as well, and it still is, but it can also be you know a lot cheaper than eating out, grabbing something quick, whatever, what have you. It's becoming increasingly more expensive trying to eat not just healthier, but buying everything at the grocery store is becoming astronomical. You're paying twice, three times what you were paying even just a couple of months ago. That's the, this is the wild card because most of the, the last time we had inflation that felt this significant was the late 70s. And I was a kid. I was a boy. I don't remember it. You know, my parents, I've talked to my parents about it. Not a lot of people. So not a lot of younger people, 50 and under, have really seen inflation where you're watching the price go up. And here's the wrinkle. With all this international uh, uh, strife now, the one thing that's guaranteed to happen is the cost of energy going up. Therefore, gasoline, natural gas, and therefore food prices. I don't know what inflation looks like for people. I think people um, are more frustrated. Uh, I think it depends than on what you seen. buy, you know, what you're consuming. Yeah, but I, I think everybody's uh-huh. feeling it, Ed. Yeah. Well, and I wonder again. I, I hate to be this crass all the time, but how does it? evidence itself is it throw the ba- throw the bums out in all these different levels is it uh you know uh in, in terms of politics is it um you know uh, uh people um uh holding protests i mean about you know the, in in history food riots are very common i'm not sure 
high milk prices riots are common, right? But I mean, I think people are feeling a similar frust- similar frustration when you you know when you hear people are saying the price of uh, for example meat it's up like fifty percent if you go buy steak or you go buy chicken or whatever. So um, I think people how people react to that over time. What's going over on in Russia isn't going to help, and then the government solution to just about everything right now is not helping, which is spend more money. Hey, let's keep let's spend more money. They have all these social engineering agendas that we absolutely can't afford. And at the end of the day, that makes the problem even worse. I like what you said. People are ready to throw the bums out. Yeah. Well, and then the, the only problem is, and you said it, again, we're talking with Noah Dingley. This is the, this is your insight. You've said it before. Good, but you got to be in the game, right? So if nobody's real is running against uh, Newsom, you can't throw the bum out, right? So, so you got to have people yeah, and, and that are willing to get in it. Extreme example, but I think eventually somewhere down the road, maybe it's not this particular election, Ed, we can get a more conservative voice of leadership at the top. But if you don't run, you're never going to have that opportunity. Yeah. If you're a conservative listening now and you're in the realm of politics, it's time to get something done. Yeah. Last uh, line of question, Noah Dingley. It's Noah says, um, we'll close with this. Baseball? We're going to have baseball? Oh, man. You know, I really need baseball right now as a distraction from all the <laughs> insanity going on in the world. Um, Don't call engagement insanity. Best, it's not, you know, come on. That's scenario, <laughs> and I hate even saying this. We'll get a half a season's yeah. worth of baseball. I see this dragging out all the way through beginning of summertime, and they won't wow. extend the season, so we'll get an abbreviated schedule. And again, I think that's best-case scenario. I don't see any budging on either side. Wow. That is a that's, – that's, that's – um, oh, well, okay. All right. Noah Says, everybody. You hear him here now. We'll have him again. Uh, people love to hear from him. Noah Says, Noah Dingley, our great producer. Thank you, as always. Congratulations to you and Cammie. Uh, we're really happy for you. Well, thank you. I very much appreciate it. And, uh, again, if Cammie is listening, and I know she is, thank you for saying yes and making me an even better man. Well, there you go. Good for you. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com to uh, listen to this segment. Go back. Noah says we got other segments there. Do a search and also sign up for the daily email, the daily wink. All that is available at ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The dramatic exit by Representative John Katko, Republican of New York, may have shocked liberals, but it was no surprise to Trump supporters. Katko's announcement that he will not seek re-election in 2022 is just further proof that one by one, the Republicans who voted for the second sham impeachment are leaving public office. Katko was the third to prematurely retire among the impeachers and the most significant due to his seniority and otherwise bright future. He was in line to become chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee after the predicted takeover of the House by Republicans this November. In addition to his impeachment vote, Katko also helped draft legislation to create a 10-member commission to investigate the January 6th rally. He even promoted his vote last year for Biden's first trillion-dollar infrastructure deal, which he laughably described as a quintessentially conservative bill, despite all the wasteful pork in it. Across the aisle, Democrats are retiring from Congress in droves, and a recent Gallup poll shows a record five-point advantage by the GOP among voters nationwide. That's a 14-point swing to Republicans from the nine-point lead held by Democrats just a year ago. 
A Quinnipiac poll shows that Biden's approval rating has dropped to a record low of only 33 percent. Republicans can be expected to gain up to four seats in the Senate in addition to winning the House if Biden's approval ratings remain below 44 percent. And he's far below that right now. Liberal Republicans and Democrats alike can see which way the wind is blowing. That's why they're trying to bow out gracefully before they're thrown out. Conservatives would do well to pay attention to what the left has already recognized. America's tired of progressivism. Now is not the time for us to compromise or settle for weak leadership. Candidates at every level need to have unequivocal answers to key questions like these. Will you secure our elections? Will you outlaw abortion when Roe v. Wade is overturned? And will you prioritize American energy production over anti-science climate alarmism? Without strong answers to these and other similar key questions, no candidate deserves consideration under the banner of conservatism. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Our mission, clearly stated at phyllisschlafly.com, is to enable and mobilize grassroots activism on behalf of cherished conservative values. You're encouraged today to go online and read the goals we support and those we oppose. Then join us. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and come back next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, um, very just a few seconds to finish up today. Let me tell you this. What you need to do, and I don't know if I've said this in a few days, uh, one of the things that has to happen, and many of us, I'm Catholic, uh, will be gearing up for um, the uh, Ash Wednesday uh, and then for Lent, getting ready to celebrate Easter. It's a great time to pray more. And with everything that's going on in the world, everywhere in the world, not just in the Ukraine and Russia, but in America and our neighborhoods, our families, it's a great time to double down on prayer. If you'd like to join a prayer call, which is just folks that come on 10 o'clock central time. So that'd be eight o'clock Pacific time. Each Friday, we get together and pray. It's the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles Prayer for America. Send me an email or a text. I'll add you to the email list. We invited a very nice group of folks that pray. It's ed at phyllisschlafly.com and 314-256-1776 to text me. Uh, That's all I've got. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>